Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to Game 1 edition of Grizz 901. I am your host, Daniel Greer, and on today's episode, we have Ryan breaking down all of Game 1, giving you his ins and outs of the entire matchup. That way, we can see exactly how this matchup will break down between these two teams these two young juggernauts of teams it's gonna be so much fun i know you're hyped i know i'm hyped i'm ready i'm excited but today before we get into ryan i want to share my article i just wrote it's titled memphis means more than just another small market and a lot of times it it offered me the question who is memphis So if you don't mind, I'd love to read it to you. What do people think of when they think of Memphis? Elvis Presley billboards? Bill Street? Basketball? John Morant? The Grizzlies arrived in Memphis back in 2002. Memphis isn't the same city as it was back then, and neither is the Grizzlies franchise. This team was a joke to many fans. Those early days were rough. After many difficult seasons, the Grizzlies found themselves in the grit and grind era, led by the core four, Mike Conley, Tony Allen, Mark Gasol, and Zach Randolph. The slow-paced, grinded-out style was difficult to watch at times, but the appreciation from the city for that team was unmatched. Those Memphis teams were tough to play against, and opponents, they often knew they were in for a long night when they came to the grindhouse. Those are often looked back on as the good old days. Then... In 2019, the ping-pong balls fell magically one night for the city of Memphis. John Morant was coming to the Grizzlies. It was a night every Grizzlies fan will never forget. The first season with John on the team, we all knew we had something special. Morant was a player that played with heart, tenacity, swagger. He embodied the city of Memphis. The city of Memphis will never be known as a city with the likes of New York, Los Angeles, Dallas, and even New Orleans. Memphis is the smallest market in the NBA. People don't move here for the city. But who is Memphis, really? Memphis is family. We might not always act like we like each other, but we always stick up for each other. We may share our dislikes about the city, but if you're not a Memphian, then don't dare talk about our city. Memphis is the hardest place to leave once you're here. Well, those Grizz next gen. The Grizzlies find themselves on billboards, national TV, sports center, and often the topic of conversation with just casual fans. Morant jerseys are in every away arena. He's even in a Spider-Man commercial. Yeah, never saw that one coming. These aren't the same Grizzlies of old. From the flyby king to Jitty himself, This team has become the city. Memphis is Bill Street. Memphis is Elvis. Memphis is basketball. Memphis is grit and grind. Memphis can be so much to so many people in so many different ways. 
Zach Randolph, an Indiana native, but he's also a Memphian as well. He had a famous quote, and I know you all know this. I love this city. They love me back. It's a blue-collar town. I'm a blue-collar player, a hard worker. Nothing's been given easily to me, and nothing's been given easily to this town. It's a fit. All eyes are on the NBA playoffs in Memphis and around the world. The time where Memphians flock to the forum from all walks of life. The world will see Memphis as a towel-waving, fan-screaming, loud, rambunctious, whoop-that-trick place. Some teams are just teams, but this team, it's much more. The Grizzlies are Memphis, and most won't understand, but we're okay with that. So, who is Memphis? Memphis is the Grizzlies. I absolutely loved that piece. It was short, it was sweet, but it came from the heart. I know we're all Memphians, and I know we all love this city. This might be really the last chance, the last playoff run for a while, I hope, where there's little to no expectations. The Grizzlies can go off and win the championship, or they can get knocked out round one. Round one loss would be just devastating. It would be so infuriating. It would be so upsetting. But in the end, we know the future is very bright. The window is wide open for this team. So we can always look for the future because this team led by, you know, Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and even our big Kiwi, Steven Adams, we still have guys that come off the bench like DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, even Mr. Slow-Mo. And yeah, I don't forget him. He's Mr. Jitty, John Conchar. Those guys, they're, they're so much fun, but they also embody the city of Memphis. And that's really what led to that piece. The team is awesome. The team is so good, but they're a bunch of good dudes. And as you know on this podcast I always try to celebrate the good dudes. And so that's what we did. And I want to celebrate the city of Memphis. The city of Memphis means so much to me. It does mean family. And it means the Memphis Grizzlies. Because without the Grizzlies, I think this city, this town, is totally different. Without the core four, it's not the same. So as we embark on game one of the playoffs at a Saturday matinee where all of the world can look and see the Grizzlies play basketball, it's going to be so much fun. And I'm so excited. I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. But there's nothing else for me to say today. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Let's get into Ryan and let you hear him break down the entire matchup. Let's go get that game one win. Be nice and tell your friends. It's Saturday. Game one of... The 2-7 matchup between our Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves tipping at 2.30 on ESPN. And I am hopping on here. Daniel has been doing a lot of content getting you ready for the matchup with the Minnesota Timberwolves this series. A lot of good information, a lot of key things to look for. 
And so he asked me if I would do an actual game preview. So I'm not going to do... This is going to be pretty quick. This is not going to be a long thing because we just want to listen to this, get some tidbits, and then get right into the game and enjoy game one of what is going to be, I think, one of the more exciting first-round series in the playoffs, which usually the first round of the playoffs, if you're a fan in the past, you know that the first round is typically pretty irremarkable. Um, There's not a whole lot that goes on. So this could be one of the more memorable series. Uh, And everyone so far has been back and forth, and the Grizzlies are going to dominate the Grizzlies in six, which is personally how I feel, and all the way to where Minnesota is going to pull the upset. You heard it from uh, TNT crew with Shaq and Charles Barkley calling that. Some people who are Grizzlies fans, predominant on Twitter, are saying that they're picking the Timberwolves and it's a bad matchup. Look, don't buy into any of it. I'm not doing a recap of a season here, but at one point in the season, both of these teams were 10 and 10. One team went on to win 55, 56 games. The other one went on to win 46 games. So I'll let it, I'll let you figure out which team is which. So, um, I, I don't buy too much into the hype. The matchup is interesting. Daniel did that whole breakdown for the series. So I'm not going to go super in depth to add on to anything that he did. Dealing with this game, though, exactly. Starters for the Timberwolves. D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns. This is what we expect anyways. And for our Grizzlies, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, we assume will be right back into that starting lineup. Jaron Jackson Jr. And Steven Adams is what we assume, which is kind of an interesting thing that Daniel brought up in the previous episode is how long is Steven Adams going to actually play? He'll actually start, but if it's kind of the trend that you've kind of seen with players like Steven Adams, you've seen it with Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas that we traded away to the Pelicans and their play-in games. He was not really in there for very much, except for kind of spot things. So this could be a game where that happens to Steven Adams, and that is exactly what I think is going to happen because... I think the Timberwolves are a very interesting team. I do not think they are a good team. They are a microwave team. This is why they're a seventh seed. Uh, They can get hot very quickly, and they can go on cold spells. If you watch them play against the Clippers, Clippers up big on them, and then they just make a little run. Now, how much of that was really a big run by the Timberwolves and just the complete ineptness by the Clippers? I actually lean to the complete ineptness by the Clippers. Uh, so I think this Timberwolves team is actually pretty predictable. And the game flipped in the Timberwolves' favor when their quote-unquote star Carl Anthony Towns fouled out. And here's the thing. This Minnesota Timberwolves team is much better when it's D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards calling the shots. Uh, so I actually think it's a good thing for the Grizzlies if Carl Anthony Towns is more involved in the game. Because he will do three to five stupid things that make no sense a game. And he complains he's one of the softest and whiniest players in the NBA. I'm not really sure how you can be a Timberwolves fan and watch him and enjoy watching him play. He's just a staying around three-point shooter, and every once in a while, he'll lower his shoulder to get to the rim. Besides that, he whines, he complains. I, just not a huge fan. So for us, it's 
can we keep Carl Anthony Towns on the floor? Yeah, I know he can score, and that's great for him. He might average 30 points a game in this series. Great. If he averaged 30 points a game in this series, I actually think the Grizzlies win this pretty easily. So the more Carl Anthony Towns is involved tomorrow, the better it is, I think, for the Grizzlies. Matchup-wise to start, what teams did that, like, you saw the Clippers do it with Zubach. They hid Zubach on Jared Vanderbilt. That's what I had assumed that the Grizzlies are going to do with Steven Adams, and Triple J will start out on Cat, which you saw in previous matchups. And Jaw has usually guard Patrick Beverly. The interesting one is who Dylan Brooks is going to guard. Because Dylan Brooks is not a fast defender. I don't think he has quick feet. Uh, he's mostly kind of like a bully ball type defender. So does that match up better with D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards? Um, and to me, it's with Anthony Edwards. I think he matches up physically and can kind of be rough with Anthony. But Anthony will get by him. So that also puts Bane on D'Angelo Russell, who I think D'Angelo Russell is more important to this Timberwolves team than Carl Anthony Towns is. Yes, I know. I said it. He is more important to the success of this Timberwolves team than Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, so it's very, very important for the Grizzlies in Game 1 to start out um, and defend D'Angelo Russell tight and keep Anthony Edwards in check and... This is really a pretty simple game to me. And I know this is like, well, why are you doing a game preview to talk about something so simple? Look, the formula for the Grizzlies in all these games and why they are where they are as a two seed has been offensive rebounding and living in the paint. That's where they score over 50% of their points is from the paint. And every matchup that they've had this year, the Grizzlies have averaged a thirty, a whopping 31% shooting percentage from three against the Timberwolves. The absolute X factor in game one here for a Grizzlies team that has not played together in over a week is three-point shooting. If they can manage to eke out their season average of 33 to 34%, they will beat the Timberwolves by 10-plus. Here's the thing. I do not think that's going to happen because of the simple rust factor. I always, when I'm just making blind picks on games, I usually like to look at the team in the playoffs who's played the most recent. And the Timberwolves have played the most recently. I do not like that the Grizzlies have had a week off. Especially for teams that play equivalent styles where they can go hot and cold. And Grizzlies can go cold for three, but their old faithful and reliable has always been in the paint. Uh, so I don't like that the Grizzlies will have more than a week off getting back together. And then there's going to be this high intensity game one in Memphis. Um, so I could see them trying to come out early and put their foot on the gas and make their mark and potentially falling flat. Um, so kind of what's an interesting caveat to that, the last two games that these teams have played against each other, the team that was winning at half lost the game. Okay, so that's kind of an interesting thing to look at if you're 
um, trying to project that, well, maybe this is kind of how this series might be. Um, the team that was winning at half in the last two games in this series have lost the game. Um, so I, what's interesting about the Wolves matchup, we obviously know Patrick Beverly is going to guard Jaw, And Jaw has been, you know, the guy that's been coming out and saying, we don't duck smoke, we run up the chimney. Here's the thing. Jaw has not really challenged Patrick Beverly one-on-one. If Jaw has Pat, has challenged anything with Patrick Beverly guarding him, it's been off pick and rolls. So I would expect a very heavy, high pick and roll set for Jaw. I do not think he, or he has not shown yet that he's willing to go at Patrick Beverly one-on-one. So someone who says he doesn't duck the smoke, I kind of want to see him actually go at Patrick Beverly a little bit. So I will be interested to see if he's actually in one-on-one perimeter attack mode with Pat Bev, um, or if he's going to be the passing guy, which he has in previous matchup with the Timberwolves. I think the most recent one he had almost 10 or 11 assists. So yeah, the passing is important, but we know that Jaw's ability to get to the rim and his rim pressure is one of the more important things that he does for our team. So that's what I would be very interested to see in him do in game one. And we saw it last year in the playoffs. Look, he gets in the playoff series and he turns into a completely different person. We saw that with the Utah Jazz. So I am expecting nothing but different jaw, playoff jaw, today at 2.30 p.m. So hopefully he doesn't settle for those threes and he's getting to the basket and is willing to go at Patrick Beverly besides just going at each other with words. Um, there's a couple X factors here. Um, obviously, the three-point shooting that I mentioned. The offensive rebound is going to be a big deal. Usually, if you can look at the previous totals of the uh, previous matches they had, whoever won the offensive rebounding matchup won the game. But the Grizzlies have just been so much better at home against this team, averaging almost 120 points per game against the Timberwolves, um, and offensive rating of 116 points, defensive rating of almost 109. So uh, they've been about six to seven points better, which is probably why this Vegas line has opened at six and a half and has not budged at all. Um, It says that they basically the Grizzlies should win this game by seven so we'll see if that comes down a little bit before game time Uh, but I don't think it's going to move at all the other x factors I do think there's two players to look out for one for the Timberwolves one for the Grizzlies the one for the Timberwolves is you've got to look out for the guard version of Carl Anthony Towns for the Timberwolves and that's Malik Beasley I don't think he's a great player and I think over 70 percent of his Shot attempts um, are from three. So he is a microwave guy that if he gets hot, he can really hurt you. And if you're trying to hedge and protect off of Anthony Edwards drives and D'Angelo Russell coming off down down screens and pin downs, um, and he's going to get that kick out to Malik Beasley, you have to keep Beasley under control because he can go for four to five threes very, very quickly if you're not watching him or if you're not paying attention to him. So Malik Beasley is a huge X factor for me for the Timberwolves game one. The the X factors for the Grizzlies, I think it's Kyle Anderson uh, because you saw success with uh, the Grizzlies coming back. They were down early in their last game against the Timberwolves and came back in one, which 
The ending of that was really fluky and weird, and the endings of all of these matchups, besides that one giant blowout at the Timberwolves this year, um, the endings have just been weird. That first game overtime, Carl Anthony Towns hitting that, you know, miracle three. Um, this one just ended weird with their last matchup with Carl Anthony Towns sticking his leg out in a three and then pushing somebody on a rebound. Uh, but the game flipped when Kyle Anderson was in and he pushed Jaron Jackson Jr. off of Carl Anthony Towns and he defended him himself. And it put Triple J on Jared Vanderbilt to do what he does best, and that's to come over and help on drives and block shots. So I think Kyle Anderson is going to have a big impact on this series. And so by extension, I think that affects Zaire Williams as well. Because if Zaire, who I don't think played in a couple of these series, in a couple of these games this year, if by extension Kyle Anderson is important, I think Zaire is extremely important as well because of the length that both of them can provide, the versatility. Zaire is a better shooter. Uh, Kyle Anderson can kind of manipulate the defense more and kick out to those and create offense that way. So I think Kyle Anderson-Zaire Williams combo is the X factor for the Grizzlies. And the weird thing is, I don't know if both are going to play. That's what we're going to kind of wait and see with how Taylor Jenkins is going to approach a playoff series, especially a crucial game one, is setting the tone. Is he going to shorten a rotation? We've discussed that, you know, with the roundtable episode, if you listen to that this past week. If not, you should go back and listen to it. Is he going to shorten that rotation? Or is he going to keep the rotation that he's been doing all year? So that's what we're going to kind of find out today. Uh, now, of course, I do have a prediction on this. Um, I think the Grizzlies win game one. I do think the series goes six games. Is there an outside shot that the Grizzlies lose game one? Yes. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a real thing to have a week of rust on you and to play a team that's a little fresher that has played more recently. That is a real thing, and that is an actual real danger. If they lose game one, I am not in any fear of them losing the series. Kind of like last year with the Utah Jazz. We went in there, win that early game, then they just close us out after that. So um, it's actually, I think, better for the Grizzlies if they lose game one because then they know they can make adjustments and can maybe catch the Timberwolves sleeping, not making adjustments, thinking they can keep doing the same thing that they have been and they'll be successful and the Grizzlies will close it out in five. But I do think Grizzlies win game one. I think it's going to be a lower scoring affair. I do not think this is going to get out into the 120s to 125s. I think this score Grizzlies win 113 to 109. And yes, I know that seems low for teams that run and gun, but you see it. In the uh, postseason all the time, shooting drops, possessions drop. Now, these are two teams that prefer to get out and get more possessions. But that could start out early, but that could die in the fourth when they're in the fourth quarter when they're trying to take care of the ball more and try to be more intentional with their sets. So um, I think that over-under was in like the early 230s, I believe, like that. I haven't looked, but... 
I think it's an easy under unless it somehow goes to overtime, which is potential for these two teams. We've already seen them do it once. Probably could have happened two other times this year when they played each other. But I think this is a low-scoring 113-109 to Grizzlies win. Start this series 1-0. Defend home court because every game that was played at the Grizzlies this year, they won 2-0 at home. 0-2 at the Timberwolves. So home court is a big advantage. We'll start out the series right 1-0, knocking off the rust. It is going to be ugly early. You might as well get used to it. I expect the Grizzlies to be down by at half. I I would not be surprised if the Grizzlies are down 5-8 to eight points, heading into half, halftime, and then they have a huge run in the third. Um, so go ahead and get ready for that, Grizz fans. It's going to start slow. They're going to try to get out and run and put their imprint on the game early. I just don't think it's going to stick. I think it's going to be ugly. The Timberwolves are going to be ready. Timberwolves are going to be confident. They've heard it all week that they're a bad matchup for us. They can beat us. They believe that they can. I mean, they celebrated like they won the championship, which, good for them. If I were the Minnesota franchise and I hadn't been here in a very, very long time, I would celebrate too. I mean, heck, if I was the Sacramento Kings, even if I made the play-in, I didn't have to win a game in the play-in. If I were the Kings, I'd celebrate just making the play-in. So good for the Timberwolves for being here. Let's have a great game one. I'm expecting a fantastic game. No amounts of... uh, no one's. There's not going to be a lot of quiet competitiveness in this game. It's going to be loud. There might be a couple texts. Might be a fight. And we're keeping our fingers crossed that Patrick Beverly doesn't intentionally try to end our playoff se- our playoff run early by trying to hurt one of our guys. So go Grizz. Enjoy the game. Grizzlies win 113-109-10 series lead. Let's go.